2: as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge.
0: Hello everyone, welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode number 1095. This is FDH Managing partner Rick Morris here with you today with another of our favorite FDH Lounge dignitaries, longtime FDH Lounge Dignitary Ben Chu here to talk NBA. We are at about uh, the, the midpoint of the uh, 2018-19 NBA season. Past it actually, but I know the uh, the All-Star break usually is uh, the point in time when people refer to that as the uh, the midpoint. Uh, more like the beginning of the stretch run and that's what we're going to be covering here today. Is looking at where we're going from here the rest of the way in what has been an interesting season. On both sides of the conference divide here, uh, a lot of uh, flamboyant stories, as there always are, but as far as how is that going to affect what happens on court the rest of the way, Ben is here to help break that down for us, as per always. Ben, pleasure to have you back on today, my man. Thank you so much for being here. Well, I appreciate it. We're ready to get going. All right, let's take a look at this here, and uh, when you look at the, uh, the standings, a lot of times in the newspaper, uh, geographically you will list Eastern Conference on top, so let's start there. You've got a little bit of uh, jumble at the top of the conference here. Philly making moves uh, to try to better position themselves uh, to, to get in that mix with Milwaukee and Toronto, not least of which the acquisition of Tobias Harris to go along with the earlier one of Jimmy Butler. So you've got Philly. There are a couple games back of where Toronto and Milwaukee are at, but uh, they, they, their team has sort of been coming together more so on the fly. Maybe also to a certain extent, Toronto with getting Mark Gasol recently. But uh, Toronto has basically more or less been intact from the beginning of the year. A new nucleus there with uh, Kawhi Leonard at the center of it. And then Milwaukee. Uh, again, you knew with the new coaching that uh, they were going to be getting the, the most out of what they had there, uh, just like the Hawks were a couple of years ago. And uh, again, uh, the, the best version we've seen thus yet of the Greek Freak on a true NBA MVP tear. So you've got them at the top of the conference. Boston, who wasn't able to be in the Anthony Davis sweepstakes because of the Kyrie contract, they might be able to over the summer. Boston was a little bit uh, handcuffed on what they could do, but Boston was supposed to be the team that wasn't going to need anybody. They were supposed they were the favorites in the conference from a lot of quarters, myself included, coming into the year. And then you've also got Indiana, who record-wise is still in the mix at this point, but without Victor Oladipo, with him going down for the year, you can't take really seriously, I think, that they're in with the other four teams uh, at that point there. So as far as the big four in the East, how do you see it shaking out right now? Well at this
1: point I think it's gonna be very interesting moving forward. The uh <laughs> excuse me, the uh it looked like at least through the first couple of 30, 35 games of the season that Toronto pretty much had a single hold on that division so uh, The the running
0: It has really been jumbled, and again, you look at it, and uh, Chris Middleton, the second-best player on that team, somebody who's taken a big leap forward, and then from there, you got a couple of guards in the mix here, uh, that uh, both shooting guard and point guard, where you're looking at the predominant scoring as far as third scoring coming from one of those guys, uh, although also Brooke Lopez for the amount of minutes that he's getting. So Budenholzer wow. really has been getting the most out of this roster, uh, as I said previously, uh, like he did in Atlanta. And uh, again, when you talk about teams and their issues, uh, this hasn't been the case with Milwaukee because they didn't tussle with the Cavs the last couple of years. But when it comes to playoff issues, wasn't it really with Toronto and Boston getting past the Cavs with LeBron, which is no longer uh, an issue? So one one would think if they get to the playoffs, that mental block at least is not going to be in their way. That is
1: gonna be true. And I think also too we I mean
0: we have to open
1: up their trade line trade deadline acquisitions of Stanley Johnson from Detroit and the Meritage as well. So they have a very Lexi sort of team that can adapt. The real question is that and we've discussed this before, Rick, that's still a very young team that hasn't had much playoffs in recent memory. So I do make the argument and this argument always seems to be the case when it comes to the NBA playoffs, the team was usually the best player on the
0: He certainly is, uh, but again, if if you're just looking at it on an experience point of view, I mean, this is really going to, to do an awful lot to either reinforce or disabuse that particular theory, because if you're looking at these four teams uh, in the uh, the Eastern Conference, I mean, I guess you could make a case for Toronto in that uh, Kawhi and uh, Lowry have, have, have been to the dance a lot of times, Lowry at least getting decently deep into the Eastern Conference finals, but when you're looking... Uh, at Boston with Kyrie Irving. You've also got Gordon Hayward uh, coming over from, from Utah and the experience that he brings. Uh, you're, you're looking at a Boston team, you know, Al Horford uh, being a guy going all the way back to college with experience in big games. So Boston would would seem to be the team that is probably the best as far as depth and big game experience in the Eastern Conference among these young teams, and yet they're the ones that seem the most shaky uh, day-to-day on paper, such that there have actually been times when Kyrie hasn't played and they've actually almost looked a little bit better, which uh, you, you certainly wouldn't say Ewing theory on that one because of how great he is when he's healthy, uh, but, but Boston is just such a, we- a weird, put-together kind of a team. I think you and I have talked about this previously, that uh, they've really gone all-in Brad Stevens on this whole positionless basketball thing. And I remember questioning and saying, okay, so Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum and Gordon Hayward are all going to get enough minutes and are all going to be integrated into the flow enough. And we've seen this year that that's kind of been an issue. So Boston is the team that, like I said, they came into the season probably the favorite in the Eastern Conference. As far as big-game experience among the young teams, they probably have a little more of it than some of the other teams. And yet right now... Uh, they would seem to be the most shaky among the four to a number of people, myself included.
1: Right, and I think Boston is kind of going through the rut that a lot of people They had a weird...
0: is an excellent point I would question that as well and yeah Bill Fitch uh there's a guy who knew something about uh getting out of the Eastern Conference as he did with the Celtics and uh again one of the best coaching jobs he ever did uh that nobody outside of Cleveland tends to remember the job with the uh, Miracle of Richfield team of 76 that was a team where there was a real challenge in bringing together all those parts on that team you integrate uh, Nate Thurman into it subsequently and uh yeah Bill Fitch Uh, knows an awful lot about that, which you referenced there as far as integrating the parts in, and that is Boston's big challenge coming down the stretch. In the Western Conference, uh, again, as we all expected, it's Golden State at the top of the conference. It took a little longer, perhaps, than a lot of us thought was going to be the case, but it was inevitable that they were going to be there if everybody was healthy. Uh, You've got Denver, who most of us, uh, you and I and a number of other people, expected to take a big leap forward. They're there in the mix for the second-best record, presently there as we're recording this. Uh, You've got some of the powers of recent years in the mix here. Uh, OKC, Houston, Portland taking a step up, which you have seen there personally. Uh, Utah, after kind of a tough start, coming on in the second half as they did a year ago. San Antonio uh, has been a force, with DeRozan being integrated into Greg Popovich's system The Clippers having a great first half to the season before dumping and putting all their marbles on the summer of 2019 strategy. Uh, That leaves out of the mix just barely, because we've named the eight playoff teams for the playoffs we're starting now. Sacramento, the shock of the league to to myself and a lot of other people, but right now they're sitting in the nine spot, still well above where I thought they'd be. And the Lakers in the ten spot. Again, If you'd have told me that uh, LeBron was going to miss this much time, I wouldn't have been shocked that they are where they are. But it's one of those things where, I remember when we were recording over the summer, I'm not going to make a direct comparison because it's sort of like the Willie Mays falling down in the outfield thing. I would never directly compare any big star to what happened with Jordan in Washington just because that was such a big disaster and such a big hit to his reputation. But I remember saying that there's a chance that we may remember that LeBron's last transcendent moment in the league was Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals last year, that he may not hit those heights in L.A. So let's start with him before we look at the other teams there, because they do kind of linger over, at least in terms of the media, a good part of the Western Conference picture. And uh, again, we've seen when he's out, they are who they are, and that's why it didn't make for a very attractive trade picture for New Orleans, especially compared to what they could get this summer for the brow. But in terms of the Lakers and where they're at, it seemed an odd thing over the summer, although he's done this before. He came to Cleveland He's in 2014, he said to be patient with what was there. He saw what was there, he started getting impatient. So it shouldn't be a surprise that he changed his tune on the Lakers when he saw what was there, but... An odd team that they put together. You and I talked about it at the time. Rob Palinka and Magic Johnson signing playmakers rather than shooters. I think learning the, the wrong lesson of what went wrong with the Cavs uh, during during his uh, final time in Cleveland. which was, was just basically that nobody was going to beat Golden State. I don't know if there's any great lesson to take from that. But uh, you, you look at the Lakers and where they're at, particularly with the Clippers being the 8th seed right now, you can't write off Sacramento for making that jump. Uh, but uh, for the Lakers to be in that big of a death fight with Sacramento for the eighth spot is something none of us saw coming at the beginning of the year.
1: Right. Uh, I think we do have to take into account that LeBron has needed a significant amount of time that the Lakers team has been sick. And We've discussed this in the past on other versions of the lounge that LeBron has tended to struggle during his first regular season with his new team. The same thing in Miami. It was a little bit of the same in Cleveland his first year right. to start off. I think They need to come up clutch, so uh, yeah. I'm pretty sure, barring again an absolute crazy circumstance or a sequence of events that keeps the Lakers up, they're going to at least become the. Seed. It might be an interesting first round matchup for Golden State. If that
0: is. That's got to be what the league's rooting for, right? Because it's going to be hard right. to guarantee any kind of LeBron v. Golden State thing in the playoffs for the fifth year in a row if they're not the 8th seed. So you you look at it, and uh, the, the league's the league's got to be pulling for that as hard as it possibly can be that they get in as the eight and they get that guaranteed matchup. Right,
1: and I, I still think the Lakers.
0: Uh, entirely possible, yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's for sure, just because again, Golden State this well, year. Not for sure, isn't it? Well, yeah, yeah. And that, I, I thought Golden State was going to go sixteen and zero through the playoffs at the start of the year, and they still might. Uh, but there's been uh, a, a decent amount, and, and a lot of it comes from again the internal discord. Uh, we saw it between Durant and Green earlier in this year. Uh, Durant's free agency thing here coming up, which again. Uh, We have seen this with LeBron in the past. We've seen this with players. When players don't want to talk about something, they're being very loud and clear uh, that staying where they're at is not the most likely option. I think we're seeing it again with Kyrie, and nobody in Cleveland could possibly be surprised that Kyrie appears to be going back on his word about staying in Boston. So uh, for Golden State, I mean, health and avoiding that kind of discord internally, those are the only things that could probably interject any kind of drama into any series, right? I would assume so. I also
1: think, ironically enough, it might have been better for Golden State to have this discord earlier on in the season, because, let's be honest, even just as the playoffs even start, I don't even remember Durant and Green having that argument in that against the Clippers in that whole incident. All right. I don't think that'll even be. I also think that sometimes in the media we play up play up internal strife, but there's has been numerous occasions where internal strife to be overcome to win a championship by
0: multiple you know, multiple teams. I think so as well. Uh, and, and looking at how the rest of it shakes out here, uh, I'm going to give a guess on uh, semis in the finals here in the uh, the Eastern or in, in the Western Conference is uh, for for the team to go to the conference finals with uh, Golden State and uh, quite possibly uh, have the best chance of taking a game, or possibly more. I'm going to go with what is the chalk at the moment record-wise, uh, that being Denver, because they've had the kind of emergence this year that I expected them to have. Uh, it is a deep core that they have. Few teams in the league can match their depth, and uh, at the top with uh, Jokic and Murray, a very good combo there. And I'm going to say OKC and Houston to go out in the conference semis, so to get through the first round, but uh, again... How do you see it shaking out with the teams in the West not named Golden State at the top of the conference? Right. At the top of the conference,
1: I think Houston can be there, but again, this really just feels like a reverb of Pete Harden two years ago where it was all Harden and he was unable to get out of the first round with that uh-huh. sort of performance. I mean, this, re- uh, this feels like a misnomer. I think Denver is probably the best chance to make Golden State hurt just because of the ability of them to go 10 deep. They have a lot of depth on their bench. Uh, Mike Malone's a very good head coach despite what a lot of people thought of his, the uh, coaching style in Sacramento. I think OKC is a very interestingly weird team right now because they do have two of the top 25 best players in the league in Georgia Westbrook. But the issue I always have back to them their bench is still not very good. And you're, and you're essentially telling, uh, the viewing public that you're gonna come down to Dennis Schroeder. That third guy close I'm still not 100% sure of, that rate
0: of season, the third guy. Well, yeah, they're very top heavy. That's a classic example, and uh, sometimes it's even more pronounced in the NBA than it is in the NFL. But uh, I, I know I said this about the Rams during our Super Bowl preview. A uh, stars and scrubs defense. Uh, Oklahoma City, certainly mega stars and scrubs. They are very top-heavy, albeit Paul George having uh, an MVP caliber campaign himself. Uh, he's making a strong run uh, at it right there. But again, yeah, you said something very profound. That Mike Malone, again, after having been written off in Sacramento. It's It's unfair to judge a lot of folks from what happened in Sacramento previous to what's happening there now just because it was such a bad spot Uh, to be in, but uh, much like my Cleveland Browns, sort of a miraculous rebirth here. And uh, again, uh, the the Kings, a very viable contender to make the playoffs at this point in time. But as I look at it here, I think, Ben, it's going to be very, very interesting. You and I, a lot of times, we look at, a lot of times, the business, the pop culture aspects of the NBA, sometimes as much as what's on the floor itself. Because let's face it, that's what the NBA markets. All-Star Weekend uh, is basically .0001% uh, substance and the rest of it is style. This is the way the NBA is. So in looking at this off the court, I'm going to be very interested to see what the ratings are for the Western Conference playoff games this year. Because I think you could make a case that, again, Conference Finals, if it's Golden State-Denver, it has a chance to be pretty good. But any series that doesn't involve Golden state has a chance to be a very competitive six- or seven-game series, doesn't it? You, you look at the matchup of these teams here, the jumble. The Western Conference playoffs, if you just look at each series in a vacuum and you don't just spend too much time sweating about, well, how far can either of these teams go, if you just live in the moment for each series, these could be some of the best playoff series we've seen in some time, I think. Right, and I also think
1: there's also the inverse of that, which some of the worst playoff series of all time. Okay,
0: all right. I'm so
1: glad that because I still, think, I still think as much as we all don't want to say it, going not save the class of the conference still. And this is that time where contenders and pretenders jumble around. And at this point, I just do not see LS far as significant injury or absolute internal strife in Golden State that they're not going to make the, the NBA Finals at this point. They're just too good, have too much talent, and
0: they're just going to keep getting better as the season goes on. They are. They've, they've got an awful lot there. I'm going to say Golden State over Denver, Western Conference Finals. I'm going to say Eastern Conference Finals. I'll go Chalk. I'll go Milwaukee over Toronto at this point, and then uh, Golden State over Milwaukee. At, at this point, I'd be generous and give the Bucks a game, and I could see that, again, this looks to me like it's the last ride of Golden State, similar to the Bulls of 98. They're not going to break up nearly as dramatically, but uh, without Durant being there uh, next year, in, in all likelihood, and uh, with uh, decisions to be made about the next contract for Draymond Green and the way that he is aging, plus being paid contract-wise, it, it'll, I think, be the last year of Golden State being a mortal lock, which it's pretty rare for any team to be in modern sports anyway. So those are my right. picks. Uh, feel free to uh, go out on a limb or not uh, as far as how you see the rest of the season going here.
1: Sure. Uh, I think if we go on the Western conference, I'm going to say very straight enough. I'm going to say OK. I think get we'll one that in five, and then in the East, I, I, I'm gonna think. i think this is gonna play out a little bit differently in my head, but I'm gonna go with what you said to Chuck. I think it's gonna be. A, I think it's ironically enough, it's going to be Toronto to beat Milwaukee, but Ooh. I think against State, well, I think it's gonna be a six-game series. Okay. Because of
0: battle. Now for the I whole. Think this, despite what I said earlier, I still firmly
2: kind of believe this is the year for the Raptors to finally win.